This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. This is episode 677. Coming up tomorrow morning, I talk to Alessandro. If you're a creative who needs work, you don't want to miss this. She launched Zupa with $8 million raised and $4 million plus in creative projects that they've processed. Good morning, everybody. My guest this morning is Gadi Shamia. He's the chief operating officer at a company called TalkDesk, the world's leading call center software platform. It's backed by DFJ, Storm Ventures, and Salesforce Ventures. TalkDesk grew eight times during, or 8x, sorry, over the past two years and has over 250 employees, along with 1,000 customers, including Box, Shopify, Dropbox, and Weather.com. Prior to TalkDesk, Adi founded a company that was acquired by SAP and now generates $500 million in global business and was a senior VP at SAP and a general manager at Reach Local. Gadi, are you ready to take us to the top? Uh, absolutely. Was that SAP company EchoSign by chance? No, EchoSign was acquired by Adobe. Ah, got it. What was the one that went to SAP? Uh, the company called, uh, name was TopManage, and the product that SAP sells today is called SAP Business One. Very cool. Okay, so you're in a unique spot at TalkDesk. So you're chief operating officer. They were founded in 2011. I think you joined in 2015. Is that right? Yeah, I joined a little over two years ago. Okay, so I want to get into kind of how you came into the business. But first, tell us what TalkDesk does and what's the business model? How do you make money? So TalkDesk is a cloud-based, uh, actually born in a cloud call center solution. So it's a fully integrated uh, with voice, SMS, uh, and agent management uh, call center solution. So companies can uh, literally log in and within uh, minutes or days have a fully operational call center that can power companies with five, 10 employees or uh, companies like Shopify with hundreds and hundreds of, of agents serving customers 24 hours a day. And what's the business model? Um, you know, How do you make money? Uh, we, like many other enterprise software companies, we charge um, uh, users for license fees and we also charge for the telephone company. Uh, so the advantage of, of TalkTest is you have one vendor that provides both the software and telephony SMS services, you have one bill and one company to work with. So is this, I mean, is this a SaaS company? Yes, it's okay. absolutely a SaaS company. And so uh, I want to avoid going into every like individual customer cohort you guys are working with, but on average, what's the average business paying you guys per month? It's, it's really dependent all over the place. So a company with say 50 users um, who pay, let's say $5,000 a month or, or $7,000 a month uh, for the service. So again, give me an average just so we can get a sense of like your average customer fit. I I, I don't have an average though on my head. It's so we have customers with three users and we have customers with 850 users. So it's really hard to average them out. Can you normalize around seats, around users? So what's the per user cost per month on average? Yeah, the, the per user cost per month is between $65 to $125, depending on the uh, depending on subscription. And then typical customer will spend another 30 to $40 on telephony a month. Got it. Perfect. Now, as a telephony aspect, is that that's really usage based, right? That goes up and down based off the data. Yeah. Okay. Got yes, it. Absolutely. Okay. Good. That's helpful. So, tell me about why you joined TalkDesk. It's kind of unique. I mean, do they see you as a founder, or what's your role? You know how how TalkDesk sees me. We need to ask Tiago, who is the uh, founder of the company. 
you know, I, I don't think of myself. When you join three years in, and I, I did found the company myself, when you join three years in, you're not a founder anymore, and you have to acknowledge that. Um, I, I joined generally because I really like the space, and I really like Tiago, the founder. Uh, so it was two, two combinations of really interesting markets. The, uh, the call center space is $22 billion market. It's still dominated by old players like Avaya and Cisco and Genesis. Uh, that sells the same system for, for 20, 30 years. So one side of it was, here's a market which is huge and ready for disruption. The other was, we already had a proven product. Tiago and team, uh, although the team was very small, built a very impressive product that had um, a couple hundred customers, uh, even by the time I, I joined. I really liked the product and, and continued using it uh, for over a year by the time I joined. What the was, third, go ahead. Sorry. And the third was, I really liked Tiago. When you join a COO, you cannot look, not like the CEO, and you cannot not want to engage with the CEO. I really thought we can have we can be really good partners. Uh, I think that uh, the fact I'm still here uh, over two years uh, after <laughs> proves to you that it's probably correct. Was that a, is is Diego the sole founder, or were there co-founders? Uh, Tiago was a co-founder. Uh, he had another founder that uh, after four four and a half years uh, left to do her own thing. What what happened? I mean, that's always like an interesting people never talk about this, but very rarely when you have two, three, four person co-founding teams, very rarely do all co-founders make it to, you know, the, the promised land or the end. W what was the conversation around that exit? Were you there for that or no? Yeah, I was there. And, and you know, I, I think a is a personal issue, so I don't want to get um, into the specifics of this situation. But I can tell you what I know from experience with other companies. In the best of companies, uh, as you mentioned, founders, uh, some founders leave, and they usually do because either they don't find what they do exciting enough or they couldn't find themselves in a position where they can make the same impact they did in the early stages. And the worst situation is when the founder stays. And I know companies where two founders that, that didn't, didn't speak with each other and stayed all the way until the end. And this is devastating for the company. So it's really healthy for a company to be in a situation where a founder can actually say, I've done, I've done a great job. I built this company and now I'm ready to take on, uh, you know, my next task or maybe be a CEO in a different company. And what, uh, that makes sense. So this was, this all kind of happened around when you joined right around 2015, 2014. Uh, it actually happened uh, a year after I joined. Okay. And what did, uh, you said the company, when you joined size was, was a couple hundred customers. I mean, had it broken the million dollar ARR mark when you joined or was it still earlier than that? No, it, it, it did break the million dollar AR, uh, which was amazing to me. Seeing such a small team um, doing so well was, again, one of the other attractive, attracting points to, uh, to talk to us. Because what was the, the team size the when you say small team? Um, I think it was 20 people when I joined. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Tiago and the very few engineers we had really built a competing product that spoke for itself. Uh, in the first two years of the company, or a year and a half uh, after setting the product, because the product was actually sold maybe from the mid-2013, even also the first day of the company, Tiago was the only salesperson. He was mm -hmm. running around, uh, positioning the product, showing it to customers, and was able to, uh, uh, to get remarkable brands to use, to use the product. And were you, it, the, the relationship around you uh, and Tiago, I mean, was this something where you were like an EIR at DFJ and they put you in with their round of financing? Or what, did you come in kind of before the financing? How did you two meet? I came before the financing. So uh, I actually met Tiago through my friends at Stone Ventures. Uh, I was an ER at Stone Ventures seven, eight years ago. So um, a lifetime ago, and uh, <laughs> I, I'm still in very good, very good contact with uh, all the investors there. And um, 
you know, they to, they told me I think in in, uh, in the midst of uh, twenty fourteen that I should meet Tiago. He's just an impressive guy, uh, and I went on and, and met him, and, and we uh, met several times during uh, twenty fourteen and towards the end of twenty fourteen. We said, you know, we like each other enough, we can help each other, and I decided to join. Did you lead Storm Ventures round uh, in, in in Talk to three million dollar Series A or, or C? No, so, so, Storm was there before. So Storm Got knew Talk to us through the investment relationship they had. Got it. Okay, and then, so take us forward. Let's talk more kind of about the, 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 the macroeconomics, about the industry. So when you guys are growing, well, first off, how many customers are you at to date? Fast forward. About 1,200. Okay, and is that seats or businesses using you? No, this is businesses using, uh, using us. Okay, let's talk about the bigger number. How many people, how many seats inside of those 1,200 com- companies? I think it's about 50,000. Okay, 50,000. And I mean, can I, can I, you, you gave a seat range earlier on the low end of 65 bucks a seat. Can I mean, can I do 65 bucks times 50,000 to back into the MRR number? Uh, you can try. I don't <laughs> know which number you're going to get to, and I'm not really good at a uh, quick math. Well, I mean, is, is that, I mean, so that number comes out to about $3.2 million in monthly recurring revenue. Is that basically accurate, or is that math wrong? Um, you know, I, I don't, we don't talk about finances, so uh, well, Gotti, just to be clear, I'm just doing, with. I'm just doing the math, right? You said 65 yeah. bucks on the low end ARPU range seat wise, and then you just said 50,000 seats. So I'm just doing math based off the numbers you told me. Is that accurate, basically? Your math is not wrong. Um, some, but it's more complex than this. Some of the seats are seasonal. Um, some of them are come and go, but the math is not vastly wrong. Okay, so 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 the 50,000 customers. When you mentioned seasonal, tell me about that. How do you guys manage churn? So this is a little different. Seasonal customers are customers. So a lot of our customers are e-commerce customers, and they um, they will have to ramp up towards the uh, the hot season, which is November, December, January, and then ramp down. So when customers come to us, we usually come up with a solution, give them bank of users that they can use towards the um, uh, the end of the uh, of the year, ramp up their business, and then ramp it uh, back down. So they're not locked into you know 300 users or 200 users they don't have to use. Um, so natural growth happens, and this is where customers will add users, but many of our customers do need a seasonality aspect to their business, and we, we work with them to, uh, to offer this flexibility, so they're not stuck with unused licenses. So are you guys, I mean, have, that sounds like a, a big obstacle in the way of trying to get to like a net negative revenue churn number. Um, have you guys hit net negative revenue churn yet? And if not, what are some things you're trying to do to drive more than just seasonal usage? So we're definitely in a net negative churn um, uh, world. And if you think of it, we look, if you look at the business on an annual basis, this is not thing will reoccur. So if, if a customer went uh, from, say, 200 agents to 500 agents in year one, they're likely to go from 250 to maybe 600 in year two. So this is not reoccur. So on an AR basis, it doesn't really create oh, I see. Uh, churn, especially when you build it into the annual contract. So what yep. we, we learn to do with customers is, we talk about upfront about the seasonal needs, and we build it into their annual contracts. So from revenue perspective, we don't really see this revenue fluctuates, but from user users using the platform, we definitely see more users in December than we see in like February, a couple of months after, despite our natural growth. But then it kind of comes back again, and the next year is even larger. So, are we talking about like net revenue expansion year over year of like 120 percent, 150 percent, 110 percent? You know, we don't disclose these numbers, but it's net. It's very healthy and comparable to uh, some of the great SaaS companies in the industry. G- give me the number one of the other great SaaS companies you respect. Uh, we, you know, we respect many of them for different reasons. Uh, we really like Workday for uh, how innovative they are in a pretty bit, uh, boring business. We love Salesforce. <laughs> very boring uh, for what they. Yeah, uh, we love Salesforce for what they do and, and uh, how they actually train the market to... Um, 
to really work the Salesforce way. We love the way they manage our ecosystem and we have great relationship with them. Um, we work now um, closely also with ServiceNow. It's another great company that came through a very, um, very small niche, but then building out of this niche and, and building more products uh, out there, but really get to, got to be dominant in the IT services niche and, and build a billion dollar revenue company from this one small four billion dollar niche. So, you know, I, personally, when people ask me who, uh, which person I'm inspired by, I always say there's no one person. I think the, I think the same from companies. I like many companies and, and I, we can learn something from every one of them. Yeah, you anchor to those companies as kind of what you aim for in terms of in terms of revenue expansion year over year. So like, oh, I don't know this number off the top of my head. Workday on Salesforce, these guys, what are they aiming for in terms of year over year net revenue expansion? I think best of breed companies uh, do over 100% so they don't lose revenue. Well, and, of course, and the yeah. best companies And the best companies will get to uh, typically 110 to 120. Got it. It's pretty hard to get much more than this um, just because of natural growth of companies, uh, et cetera. It also depends on the economy. I think we're um, uh, in a great time uh, where uh, most companies that work with us benefit and, and grow. We have customers like uh, DoorDash that start with us. Like who? 40 seats. DoorDash? Okay. The side was actually probably 40 seats and then now at 800. Wow. Uh, this is a little bit because of us, because we've done a great job helping them out. But at the same time, DoorDash is just a phenomenal company. And what, so for, for a company like DoorDash, I mean, that kind of growth makes sense. I'm curious though, kind of your team makeup in terms of how many of them are inside salespeople calling into your customers like DoorDash. So what's your current team size and how many of them are doing sales? Uh, as I said, we're about 250 um, people in the company. About half of them are in R&D. So if you ask where we invest a lot of our effort is R&D, uh, we truly believe there's so much to do in this space that we have to continue investing in, in, uh, in our engineering team. Uh, it's also very different than anybody else in our space. Most of our competitors uh, in the call center space wouldn't invest more than 15%. Name who? 10%. Who do you compete with? Name two or three. Uh, you know, Five9, InContact, Genesis, Avaya. Uh, are the main competitors. Most of them are more maintenance mode than in innovation mode. Um, the rest of our employees are, are split between sales, uh, customer service, customer success, and professional services. How, how so many of them are inside of our, sales of the 250? How many are just sales? Sales, probably 80, 80 uh, okay. including SDRs, um, sales operations, AEs. Yeah everything that makes up a sales team. And are you, if Maybe. you look at, if you look at your growth, I mean, and you had to credit, you had to pick one of these to credit the majority of your growth to, would it be new customer signups or seat expansion in your current customer base? Uh, new customer signups is larger. Yeah. Um, seat expansion helps to, uh, to kind of amplify the growth. That's great. Now tell me, uh, uh, Gadi, in terms of funding. So obviously companies have to make a decision at some point to raise capital, not raise capital. We know you guys have raised capital. How much total have you raised? Uh, 24 and a half million. Okay. And when was the last round? Almost two years ago, uh, July of 2015. All right, so so give me the details. Right now, you're either raising a monster round or you're selling to Salesforce for a lot of money. Which one is it? Neither. Oh, come on, uh, look at this guy smile. <laughs> no, neither. Honestly, so uh, our investor, Joe Stein, was, was speaking at, at our sales kickoff meeting. And one thing I'll quote him on this, he said, I'm amazed by how a uh, couple of efficient talk this is and how fast it grows given how much couple of expense. Yep. Um, we are, as a company, we're really focused on building a real business. This is something that Tiago is, um, is, very, is very focused on. We don't want to be this company that um, burn its way into growth. So everything we do has to have our ROI, which means we still have a lot of the money we raised before. That's great. We're not running out of fumes. 
uh, and we are not in any uh, any urgent need to raise a cup, uh, raise round. We're definitely going to raise around sometimes this year, but uh, we don't need to. We're not pushed against the wall in any way, shape, or form because we are not wasteful. When we moved to a new office, we didn't invest $2 million and, and make this office really pretty, um, knowing that we're going to move out of this office in a year and a half or two. What did you invest so in your current have, office? Uh, you know, I don't even remember the number. Not, not big enough for me to remember. Yeah. Uh, uh, what is the... So, okay, good, good uh, interesting feedback. Are you, I assume you guys aren't break-even. You're still burning cash per month, right? We're still burning cash, but we're very yeah. um, good about burning relatively low, num- low amount of cash uh, every month. And it's also, remember, when you grow fast, customers also help your growth. Uh, you don't have to only use, and, and normal business don't use investors to, to uh, fund the growth. Startups do that, and we do it to some extent too. But a lot of our growth is driven by great customers making long-term commitments to us. Are you um, pulling that cash forward? Them are they paying up front? Many of our customers will pay, uh, most of our customers pay annual upfront. Good stuff. And this is good for them and good for us. They, they don't like to, uh, to pay us monthly, and we would love to get the money up front and be able to fund the cost of sales and, and um, invest back in R&D, et cetera. Yeah, and you have to fund great new CEO hires, right? Uh, I was deep. Many of you know I am buying companies that I really, really like, and there's no quicker way for me to get to the bottom of what is happening on that website than using this tool called nathanlaka.com forward slash hot jar, H-O-T-J-A-R. It basically will give me a recording, okay? When anybody lands on the website, it'll give me a recording of where the viewer is scrolling and obviously does the basic stuff like heat maps too, but I learned so much about where the users are scrolling and clicking on my site using that tool. It helps me increase conversion rates, make more money and grow those businesses faster. And we'll have to see what happens with those businesses, but I'm buying them. I'm buying them very quick, and I'm using NathanLaka.com forward slash Hotjar for all of my website analytics. You can too. I work with them. It's totally free. You can go to NathanLaka.com forward slash Hotjar. No credit card required. Again, use it as much as you want. NathanLaka.com forward slash Hotjar. I'll see you there. All right, Gutty. Let's wrap up here. With, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one. What's your favorite business book? My favorite business book. You know, it's hard. There's so many great ones. It's exactly like uh, uh, my answer about, about uh, companies. But I think the book that mostly influenced me, and it's really old, is The Innovative Dilemma. Yeah, um, it's an old book, 20 years old. And I think this, that uh, it had such a meaningful content for me. It's helped me to think about product innovation um, throughout my career. Number two, is there a CEO that you're following or studying currently? Um, again, I, st- I study and follow many. And I think that... Um, you know, I, I just watched, um, uh, you know, Jeff Lawson from Twilio on stage today, and I love how how uh, down to earth he is and how hands on he is about what he does. I really admire what Mark Benioff does. Um, really driving a um, hard, driving a company hard, and driving everybody in Salesforce to grow, grow, grow. But at the same time, have this compassion side of him and and uh, the community side of him. So I love what he does. Uh, and again, I think there's a lot of great CEOs out there, and there's no single one you can learn from. Number three, what's besides your own, what's your favorite online tool? My favorite online tool? Wow, you're asking me hard questions. You should have sent me this question like, in advance. These I are like deep. easy compared to the ones I've been asking you. Yeah, but again, there's so, there's so many of them. At the end of the day, I spend most of my time in Gmail, and I really like what, what uh, Google did for the efficiency of, of uh, managing email. I spend a lot of time on Slack, which uh, I find disruptive and um, innovative at uh at the same time so 
I guess between the two of them. That's, again, super boring, but it is what I use a lot. Number four, Gaddy. How many hours of sleep do you get every night? Um, six and a half. Okay, so not bad. And what's your situation? Married, single? Do you have kids? Uh, yeah, married. Um, another <laughs> tech, uh, uh, another tech um, um, executive uh, working for uh, Stitch Fix, and okay. um, I have two kids. Two, two little. And now are they super young or what? They're super young. One of them is uh, almost twenty, and the other is um, <laughs> is it sixteen. I have two teenagers at home. Uh, one of them is not home; is in college. Almost empty nester. And how old are you? I'm forty-eight. Okay. Last question, Goody. Take us back twenty-eight years. What do you wish your twenty-year-old self knew? You know, twenty. Um, oh, you're blowing my mind with these questions. Um, you know, I was very. At 20, maybe not 20, but 22, 23, um, you know, I served five years in the Army, so I really started my life at, uh, at 23, 24. Uh, so back then, I probably really wished I knew what I'm going to do when I grow up. I was really stressed about that. I, I, um, uh, I was really concerned about my not being as successful as, as my parents, I guess, as many kids are. And I wish I knew I w- it would be fine. I wish I knew that I would be fine and I would be less stressed about that. And I see my kid going through the same uh, level of stress right now. Well, Gadi, thank you for your service. Again, he wishes he was at more ease about his future when he was younger. Again, now join the talk desk. They've raised a significant amount of capital, about 24 million bucks, serving about 1,200 businesses, making up about 50,000 seasonal seats. Those seats paying between 65 and 125 bucks per seat. They've got a team of 250 folks, about 80 of them focused on inside sales. Again, focused on bringing the call center online and making it significantly more efficient for everybody everywhere. Goody, thank you for taking us to the top. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed Goody's story today, go back and listen to Mike Wynn yesterday. He's raised $30 million with this company called Drone Deploy. I think he might be the first drone trillionaire. It would mean the world to me if you guys got any value from this episode, if you would go leave a review on iTunes right now and then subscribe. You know, I hustle like heck to get these episodes out every freaking day for you guys. And trust me, I love it. I would do it with no listeners. But boy, oh boy, it makes my day and it makes my team's day when we see great reviews and get your feedback. So thanks so much. Okay, Top Tribe, I love giving away free money. I feel like Oprah giving away cars and I have something special for you today. How many of you have heard our super sharp guests talk about success they've had with Facebook and Google ads? Well, all of you listening right now, yes, if you're listening, you get $100 in free AdWords. Here's how you get it, okay? Again, thanks for listening. Get the free $100 from Google, right, when you sign up with my website host provider, HostGator. Go sign up now to get your free money, HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Again, that's HostGator.com forward slash Nathan.